Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, April 11, 2017. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 2, and we're at page 25, the first paragraph. Today's readers are on the 12th step, Madeline P., the 12 traditions, Lisa H., and reading the text are Martha Z. and Leslie M. The reference numbers for Monday, April 10th, are for 7 a.m., 9817, and for 10 a.m., 9818. That's 9817 and 9818. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Madeline P. to read the 12 steps. Okay, this is Madeline P. from Athens, Greece, a recovered compulsive overeater. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all people, persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics, compulsive readers, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for your service. I pass. And thank you, Madeline. I will now ask Lisa H. to read the 12 traditions. 
Good morning. This is Lisa H., uh, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tennessee, the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting another group or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of our program, always reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Lisa. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book Chapter 2 on page 25, the first paragraph. I will ask Martha Z to begin reading. Good morning, Katie. Um, can you hear me? Yes. This is Martha Z. Um, thank you for your um, loyal service. Um, this is Martha C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we'd been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. 
we have found much of heaven and we've been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. And good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, I was just looking at, it says, the great fact is this, is justice and nothing less. And so I looked up the word fact, and it said truth, reality. So it says it's nothing less than, than the truth. That we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences, which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward ourselves, and toward God's universe. So it says, it, it, I, I definitely keyed on the word effective. I've had, I've certainly had some spiritual experiences, but they were not effective. They were certainly not effective in helping me to, helping me with this particular problem or any other problem I had in my life. So I, you know, I, I think about spiritual experience, and there are, you know, interchangeable words like spiritual awakening or psychic change or um, personality change. And um, anyway, so I was. What it made me think of was um, in the twelve and twelve, um, in step twelve, where it says um, it talks about spiritual awakening, and it says the most important meaning of it is that we have now become able to do, feel, and believe that which we could not do before on, our, on his unaided strength and resources alone. He's been granted a gift which amounts to a new state of consciousness and being. He's been set on a path which tells him he is really going somewhere, that life is not a dead end, not something to be endured or mastered. In a very real sense, he's been transformed because he's laid hold of a source of strength, which in one way or another he had hitherto denied himself. He finds himself in possession of a degree of honesty, tolerance, unselfishness, peace of mind, and love, of which he had thought himself quite incapable. What he's received is a free gift, and yet usually, at least in some part, he's made himself ready to receive it. Okay, so then, then it goes back to, and it's going to say fact again, the central fact of our lives is the absolute certainty, that means there's no doubt about it, that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. And I always find that passage kind of interesting because we could say it that way or we could say He's entered into our hearts and, and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. And I, I choose to say it the first way because that's how I experience it. But anyway, so He's commenced to accomplish for us um, the things that we could never do by ourselves. So for me, um, he was definitely doing for me what I could never do for myself. So first, it was the freedom from the food obsession, and that I, it, it was no longer a problem that that my obsession had been lifted, and I was no, not strike struggling with it or fighting it, or that that I was really in a position of neutrality and. And that is that's the biggest miracle in my life today. And then I started to believe that if this, 
this God that I found could help me with this, that he could help me with any other thing in my life. So I've also seen miracles in the healing of the relationships relationships in my family specifically, but things that I thought were never possible. And um, and I'm just I'm so grateful because I really feel like he's changing me from the inside out. So, um, yeah, so he's, he's absolutely doing for me what I couldn't do for myself, and I'm very grateful to be here this morning with all of you. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Martha. Okay, who would like to share on this second Jackie paragraph? B. Jackie B. Harlan G. Kim G. Harlan G. G. Kim M. G. Monica T. Okay, anyone else? Nancy R. Tina S. Nancy R. Tina S. Okay, let's go with those six to start with. Uh, Jackie B, Harlan G, Kim G, Monica T, Nancy R, and Tina S. Go ahead, Jackie. Hi, this is Jackie B from the Bronx. Can I be heard? Yes. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your service today and for being present. Um, I really get a lot from what the share was in this reading. Um, it has been miraculous. Um, in that I today can really understand my higher power's will for me. The fact that I don't each day I, when I do this work that needs to be done that I have quiet serenity in that it doesn't mean that there's not, you know, bombs and disasters and issues and and happy, joyous things happening around me. It just means that I can see it, I can feel it, I can be present for others. You know, um, yesterday was the beginning of um, a holiday that my family would celebrate, even if we were fighting and yelling and screaming at each other during the whole time. Everybody's cast away, um, except for me and my sister, who doesn't really... um, get together anymore in that sense um and i was feeling bad and the miraculous thing was is i had the clarity to know that you know what if i'm feeling this feeling of nostalgia then you know what i need to reach out to other people so i text other people in recovery i called other people in recovery i made myself present for other people in recovery i did my um 11th step and admitted how I was feeling and what was triggering me and I had serenity. Uh, My food was in order. Everything was in order. And even this morning, I said, you know what? I'm blessed. Today is the uh, remembrance of a very dear person that passed away, my brother-in-law. And I was able to wish warm thoughts to other people. I mean, that is a gift. It's a gift that I am not self-centered today. It's a gift that I am not um, thinking of only what Jackie can get out of this. Um, And with that, the food is not calling me. So I know today that this recovery works today. One day at a time, my willingness to do the footwork, do what I need to do, roll up my sleeves, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jackie. Okay, Harlan G., you're up, followed by Kim G. 
Good morning, Katie. I'm Harlan Jean. I'm a, I'm a recovered compulsive overreader in Scottsdale, Arizona. What resemblance do I really have to the 500-plus pound man, 600-pound man, who was later to become a 700-pound man, who walked into these rooms on the 2nd of February, 1979? Well, I have the same social security number, and I have the same date of birth, and I have, some, I have the same history, but other than that, any similarity is purely coincidental. I have never had a spiritual experience, and we're going to talk when we get into Appendix 2, which I think is tomorrow. We're going to talk about the difference between a spiritual awakening, which is slow and of the educational variety, but slow in, de in developing, as opposed to a spiritual experience, which is <laughs> sudden and profound, which is what Bill Wilson had. But as the result of my spiritual awakening, as the result of working these steps, not the result of sitting in meetings, not the result of being abstinent, not, although that's a major component in it, because if I'm not abstinent, then forget it. Not the result of the fellowship, but the result of working these steps like my hair was on fire and working them every day. I am in a place today of neutrality around food. I am in a place today where I am safe and protected. Is that the only thing that's happened? Not even close. I walk with a steady, constant companionship with my creator. I walk with confidence that no matter what, even though I do get scared, I, I, no matter how evolved my recovery gets, I will never rise above the level of a human being. I have a confidence that I will be taken care of, that I will be okay. I have a confidence that things are going the way they're supposed to. I have achieved patience, honesty, integrity, fidelity. I am dealing with issues today that I didn't even know were there, and my life continues to improve because of this book, because of this way of life, and because of this magnificent program called Overeaters Anonymous and this fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous and a vision for you. And God does enter my heart on a daily basis, and he does live in a way that is indeed miraculous, and he has commenced to accomplish those things for me personally, which I could never have done by myself. This is the greatest way of life. And oh, by the way, I've lost a little over 500 pounds, and the desire to eat is not within me today. And with that, and, and I am doing so happily. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Kim G, you're up, followed by Monica T. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Oh, and I'll tell you, my hope, my hope is there's someone out there today that, like I was over six years ago, that had spent decades in OA that was currently in a five-year relapse. I was discouraged, disillusioned, angry, bewildered, baffled. And when I heard this paragraph specifically in a meeting, I, fe I felt something I hadn't felt in a long time, and that was hope. 
you know, says the great fact is just this and nothing less, that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. And I had to look back at my own experience before Overeaters Anonymous and specifically in Overeaters Anonymous. And I had some deep spiritual, what I call awarenesses. Walking into a room where people were like me that I didn't feel alone was a deep spiritual awareness. Understanding that I had a disease was a deep spiritual awareness. But I had to admit, decades in LA, in a five-year relapse, what I was doing wasn't effective. And when I looked at when they said as effective, which has revolutionized, and I love the definition of that word, it says a usually violent attempt by many people to end the rule of one government and to start a new one. That's what I needed. I needed a total transformation of thought and actions. I needed to have this brain of mine, this mental obsession, removed by a power greater than myself. And it says here a whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. And that started to make sense to me because, you see, what I did personally was I changed my attitude while I was in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous because you guys loved me and understood me. But I would go out and the other 23 hours of the day, I would cause havoc in my family, in my job, and to hell with those principles that we read in the meetings. I read the steps. I never lived the steps. And it made sense to me now what I, why was, what I was doing wasn't effective. And it gave me the hope that even though I had quote-unquote done the steps a dozen different ways, that maybe if I did the steps specifically as outlined in this book, that I was going to have a different experience, an effective experience, and I could see in other people in whom the problem had solved that they had had an experience I hadn't had. And let me tell you, I walked through these steps in six weeks, and I had a deep and effective spiritual experience. And for these last six years, I have lived happy, joyous, and free. I've lived contently abstinent in a life that I never could have imagined when I came into OA 22 years ago and even when I read this paragraph with a new mind six years ago. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. I'm sorry, Kim G. Monica T., you're up, followed by Nancy R. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater here in Florida. Yeehaw, there is a solution, and this is what they're telling us. The great fact is just this and nothing else, that we have had a deep and effective spiritual experience which has revolutionized, drastically changed my whole attitude towards life towards my fellows and towards God universe. Now now they're they're the the we, the first one hundred recovered alcoholics, of course, here are looking back. It's in past tense. They have experienced this. When I was reading this with my guide, had I gotten there yet? No, I had not. And I wanted to and to say that the central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered in our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. So when I was reading this at this point with my guide, this sort of made the hair on my neck stand up. I wasn't there. I didn't understand any of this. I hadn't worked through the steps yet. And that is okay. If you can relate to that today, it's okay. 
because what's going to change you is working through the steps. And as a result of working through the steps, Monica can now say, you know what, Monica? Love and tolerance is your code. No one, somebody's annoying me. Love and tolerance is your code. Remember, they're sick too, Monica. Remember to say a prayer for them, Monica. This is part of how God has changed me as a result of doing the steps, and especially the turnaround of step four. Well, I had to turn it around and look at me, my selfishness, my dishonesty. You know, instead of pointing my finger at them, I had to look at me. That's part of the drastic change that happened for me as a result of doing this work. And today, I can read the sentence again. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous, and he has done such marvelous things for me that I could never, ever do before. And today I can read this and say, yes, absolutely, definitely, I understand this, and this is where I'm at today. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Nancy R., you're up, followed by Tina S. Hi, thank you. Good morning. I'm Nancy Ara. I am, too, a grateful recovered compulsive reader, and I really felt compelled to share this morning. I listen daily to the wonderful uh, shares, get so much from this meeting. Thank God that I was led to Visions for You, and I found a sponsor who, uh, led, who, who brought me here, and uh, I'm just really grateful. Uh, you know, I, I was raised in a very religious home, and I used to hear, particularly my grandmother, talk about what would happen when when God really entered into your life, and she would describe the transformation that had taken place in her life and how the things she used to do, she never, she didn't do anymore, she didn't want to do, and all of that. And uh, as I grew, I really wanted that, but I was not able to uh, get it in in my religion. Uh, there were so many things that I found contradictory, and for whatever reason, I did not get it. But I'm, I, today I can truly say that I have uh, experienced this transformation in um, the rooms of Old Readers Anonymous, and I have been uh, transformed uh, in my relationships and reactions with my fellow man. And I, I want to share something that really illustrated it to me that happened a week or so ago. Uh, my husband and I are a few uh, African of the African Americans that live in this community, and I go to this grocery store and get a salad practically every day. They have a tremendous salad bar, and most of the people know us and they say hi. They they speak to us daily, and there is this woman who, to me, she would she would scowl at us when we would come in, and uh, I had you know I had made some assumptions about her. But, you know, every morning I read, when I read pages 86 through 88, I ask God to direct my day, and I really mean that. Uh, and so this particular day when I went in, uh, I just said to her, I said, you know, I'd like to uh, tell you uh, I really appreciate the way you keep the salad bar. I said, this is one of the best uh, salad bars I've ever uh, uh, gone to. And I just want to let you know I really appreciate it. This woman, uh, she was she she, you know, she she almost started crying. She said nobody has ever 
She said, nobody has ever given me a compliment. She said, thank you so much, lady. She said, I see you and your husband come in every day. And I said, well, I just wanted to tell you that. Well, let me tell you, I have a new friend. When I go in there every day now, she's waiting for us. She waves at me and uh, speaks and says, oh, if I'm by myself, where's your husband? And that certainly was not me. That wasn't me. The old me, uh, without this program, would have made assumptions about her and would never have said a word to her. But because I try to live a spiritual life, because God has come into my life, uh, I, uh, things, things that happen are indeed miraculous. You know, I made assumptions about her based upon, uh, upon uh, something that I thought was true that wasn't. So uh, when it says God, is, God has been able to do for me what I could never do for myself, I'm at peace. You know, this program has made me at peace in the world. I'm at peace out here. Um, I, I, I found meetings and I go to them and, and usually there's nobody in there that looks like me. It doesn't matter. You know, I am, I feel, I feel comfortable wherever I am. And that is a gift from working this program that I never felt comfortable anywhere when I was weighing over 300 pounds, but thanks be unto God for all, for the, the miracles and the victories I have won in this program. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Nancy. Okay, Tina S., you're up. Tina, please press star one to unmute. Can you hear me now? I can. Great. Okay, sorry about that. I was muted. Uh, thanks, uh, Katie. Tina, compulsive eater, anorexic, and recovered in uh, Florida. Wow, so many really great shares this morning. I'm so grateful to be on the line, and I was especially touched by just previous sharing. You know, that's what has happened for me. You know, God continues to do for me what I cannot do for myself, and and I have this feeling for other people that I have never ever had, and I was really touched by that share. And um, you know, and I love that you know everybody, you know, almost everybody that shared, we kind of you know uh, focus on the same words. You know, the fact. You know, the great fact is just this and nothing less, you know, and, and, you know, I looked up these words because, of course, I always thought I knew what the definition of every word was, uh, not, and, you know, and it's something indisputable, you know, that's what I, what I looked, what came when I looked up the word fact, you know, and we have deep and effective, you know, effective, you know, successful result that has happened for me, you know, and revolutionized, radically changed. You know, it has t radically changed my whole, my entire attitude, my way of thinking and feeling towards others, you know. And, you know, it, it's, you know, it's like the, the conviction, you know, that the create, my creator has entered my heart. You know, and I heard this early on in recovery, that the longest distance was from my head to my heart. And through working the 12 set, steps, doing the deal, a transformation comes about, but that happens for me. And I love what was also shared, one day at a time that I continue to do this, and this continues to happen. And I'm just so grateful that I come on this line, and I just, you know, I, and I say this a lot, you know, I'm shaking my head as everybody is sharing because I belong. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Okay, we'll open it up again. Who would like to share on 
Uh, the second paragraph on page 25, the great fact is just this. Leanne, Leanne. Carlisa C. Melissa yeah, C. Have, okay, I have Larry. Leanne. Larry. Kelly S. Okay, wait a second. I have Leanne, Lisa, not C or H. It was Lisa C. Melissa C. Carlisa C. Oh, Carlisa. Okay. Carlisa C., Melissa C., Larry K. Okay, go ahead. Who else? I heard other people. Did you get Kelly S.? Kelly S.? Thanks. Okay, well, let's... Diane D. Julia. Diane D. And is it Julia? Julie M. Julie M. Okay, let's go with those seven. Um, We have Lee Ann, Carlita C., Melissa C., Larry K., Kelly S., Diane D., and Julie M. Go ahead, Lee Ann. Good morning. This is Lee Ann W. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Okay, great. Um, again, my name is Leanne W. I'm from Massachusetts, a covered compulsive overeater, and grateful to be here. Uh, what jumps out at me today? But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had to come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by others in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. And the reason that that jumped out at me, um, jumped out at me was because I was in that state of hopelessness um, and futility of life. Everything that I was doing was ineffective, and I couldn't get out of myself. I couldn't even get through the day without thinking about the food and, um, and the problems that I had. But what... When, therefore, we were approached by others, my life changed the day I went on the second meeting and announced myself as a newcomer. I had been through in and out of OA doors for the longest time, but when I went on that second meeting and announced myself and I got flooded with phone calls from people who were recovered working this program and found my sponsor through this process, Here was somebody who laid the simple kit of spiritual tools at my feet. And I I couldn't believe the message that she shared with me and how she demonstrated this program. It was so powerful that truly it changed my life. And, you know, the days of trying to control my food and in and out of diet programs and in and out of gyms and thousands and thousands of dollars that I pay people to try to help me overcome this this um, this disease that I had, uh, when I picked up the toolkits that she laid, it's just, you know, from there on, uh, my life has, has just gotten better and better. And, you know, we're living in terrible times, uh, difficult times, and I have a program that I continue to work, and I know that despite anything that's going on, food is not going to make it better. So I just keep doing what I'm doing, and it works. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, um, Leanne W. Carlisa C., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Carlisa, press star one to unmute, please. 
Thank you. Can you hear me now? Thank you for your service. Yes. yes Carly, recovered. Thank you so much. I'm sorry I interrupted you earlier, as by the way. Um, I'm when I came in recently. I celebrated a, a eight years in um, in recovery, being recovered, and and what I'm recovered from was that seemingly hopeless state of mind and body that I was in on April 3rd of 2009. I had gotten a diagnosis that I was going to de- I was eating myself literally to death, and that I was going to die of a heart attack in a matter of very short time if I did not change um, my life. And my physician, who is a wonderful person, looked at me with all earnestness and said, you got to change. But I had no more idea about how to change my mind, body, how to release the weight uh, than uh, a bird flying in the air. She could have told me that, and I would have felt that maybe if I could fly, I would have more success at flying than anything else. Um, so what I did is what most of us do, I've learned, is I went out on a two-month binge until, um, until I finally, when I was on binging on food, just said, you, God, you have to help me. I had been raised in the church and had a complicated uh, past with, that, with the uh, church of my understanding. Um, but I did have a relationship with a creator, but I was mad at that creator. You know, I was mad because of the things that had happened in my life. Um, I, bl- I had to blame somebody, and I blamed God. So that is the but. In that moment, I went to the God that my mother and my grandmother and my my family had believed in that had carried in this uh, high holy season for so many religions us uh, through a lot of stuff. That I went to that God, uh, who I didn't really know. But and I asked for help and was led in a miraculous way into my fellowship of 12 steps. And if you had asked me the day before, I got picked up a copy of the big book, what this book was about, a woman who say, who's educated and thinks she knows everything anyway, but I said, oh, that's for drunks. Well, what it's become is a life-saving divine text for me. And that these words, there is a solution, um, help uh, start to define in my own mind what my problem is. I just thought I needed to release 180 pounds of physical fat. But what I've come to know is that I needed to renew my mind and get um, to have my spiritual malady uh, resolved. And I could not do that. So for I would just like to say to everybody that this is a process over time. This is not something that, for me, happens. We have to realize we have a problem first. Then we have to realize that there is a solution, and dieting is it it. So um, I'm so happy to be on this line. I get so much from, from this reading the big book and listening to people's comments. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for your service again. Thank you, Carlisa. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Larry Kay. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, what jumped out at me was the word effective, Um, you know, successful in producing a desired result and the capability of producing a desired result. And, you know, boy, did I come in with desires. You know, I longed for results. Um, I wanted uh, weight loss. You know, I wanted to have peace from the food. 
I was living in constant bondage of the food and constant obsession with my size and my, my ever-growing weight. And all I wanted was to be able to leave the food alone and be thin. And, you know, I didn't come in with a desire for a spiritual experience. Um, you know, and for me, it's just proof that what I desired was so much smaller than what God had in mind for me. You know, what I wanted was, was so little. And, um, you know, the great fact for me is that I had this spiritual experience that I didn't even want. And I continue today to live in agreement with this spiritual experience. Um, you know, the wonderful side effect of having a spiritual awakening is that, yeah, I've been able to lose the weight um, and put the food down and um, and leave it down. And, you know, like, like Harlan says on the line, and done so happily, you know, it wasn't the that struggle that it always was in the past. It just occurred for me. Truly, that is God, that um, I can walk into places with all of the things that owned me at one time, and I'm not full of resentment. I'm not gritting my teeth. It's like it doesn't look like food anymore. It looks like something else. And, you know, um, even a while ago, I was driving home, I had picked up bagels for my family and they were in the car and there was a very strong smell from it. Um, And it smelled kind of like cedar chips to me. You know, it definitely, I could smell it, but I had no desire to eat it. Just like I had no desire to eat wood chips. Um, You know, and so the only thing that I wanted more than anything in my life um, has kind of become secondary. And, um, you know, the real big change was God entered into my life and my heart. And, you know, my view towards my family, my coworkers, um, the entire universe has changed. Um, I've had those salad bar experiences that someone just talked about. Because um, I, I walk into places instead of thinking, why aren't they smiling at me? Why aren't they nicer to me? Um, I walk in. Um, feeling, how can I be nice? You know, what can I do? I, I stopped being consumed by thoughts of what about me? Um, and I started finding myself looking for what can I bring to others, you know? And um, with this mindset, I've kind of fallen in love with the universe and um, the food doesn't call me the same way anymore. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Larry Kay, it's your turn, followed by Kelly S. I'll take a turn. Hey, Katie. Thanks so much. Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Yeah, the, um, you know, when, when it talks about um, selfishness, self-centeredness, that was the root of my troubles. You know, it was, it was driven by lots of things. It was driven by fear and all sorts of things. And, and all the while, I thought this was a problem with food, and it, it was never about food. It was really never about food. It was this this process was gonna was gonna transform me and move me from a self centered existence to a God centered existence. And it was gonna be a process and it was gonna be I had to work these steps as laid out in the big book precisely. Not perfectly, but precisely. And there was gonna be a change and it wasn't gonna be just a moment in time change. It was mine was of the educational variety, but 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 lest I lest anyone wonder, the obsession is either lifted or it's not. 
and it was lifted, if I would follow these steps precisely, that obsession to compulsively overeat would be lifted. And everything prior to that was just temporary sobriety. And they talk about it in the big book. And temporary sobriety is a horrible way to go. It really is. Just having to busy myself, having to use the tools and fight for one more day. That's not what someone who's recovered has today because today the problem has been solved. And yet we know we're not cured. And, you know, for me, it's just, to, you know, the, I've heard it said to those who understand they're recovered today, no explanation is necessary. And to those who do not yet understand, which was me for about five years, many years ago, no explanation is sufficient. It just isn't sufficient. No one can explain it to you. You've got to experience it yourself. And, you know, uh, this this thing works. It works. I've had the opportunity to last couple of weekends to to to, to uh, participate in workshops with folks and you know I see uh, people who have been in some have been in program for many many years and they haven't experienced this yet and the light is coming on I see other people that are new relatively new that perhaps have experienced this you know or people that have been in other programs and got uh, a reprieve from another substance but they didn't their credits didn't transfer to this program I don't know why. It just doesn't. But I'll tell you what, if you work this thing, it works, and you will be changed. And I'm grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Larry. Okay, Kelly S., you're up, followed by Diane D. Hey, Katie, this is Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Oklahoma. Thanks for your service. Um, well, I just felt really led to share on this um, and kind of piggybacking a lot on what Kim G had shared earlier, um, and I've shared on this line before, that, you know, I'd been around, been around this program for 34 years, listened to Vision for You for about four years, and have just now been recovered and abstinent for a little over two years. And the hope that I want to give people is um, before listening to Vision for You and the Renaissance, as we hear it say, being reintroduced to the big book, um, I had never, ever made a year of abstinence. Um, and so the gift is today I'm free. You know, I, I'm abstinent. I'm maintaining 125-pound weight loss, which I've never done maintenance in my entire life. And, and as Harlan says, I'm doing so happily. But the thing that, that I've had today that I never understood was um, that deep, effective relationship. You know, I had thought I was doing the steps. I have all kinds of booklets. I've answered many, many questions, gone through them. And I remember thinking, well, I, I don't really understand how you were, you know, working these. I mean, I'm answering questions. So I did this book, well, I'm done, you know. But the truth was the effective relationship for me with a, is doing this relationship with a higher power. You know, I wanted God to do to me. I wanted God to do for me. But I didn't understand that God was going to do this with me and through me. And, that, and we agnostics, it talks about the relationship with God. We have that deep reality within I was looking always on something else to fix me. You know, I wanted God to zap me. Um, and I have to have a working partnership, and I have to do the work. You know, I'm one of the people that can tell you guys, meeting makers don't make it. I listened to this meeting obsessively for two years before I was willing to do the work. I never missed a meeting. If I did, I got online, and I, I listened to everyone in order. 
that didn't do the job. I had to do the work. And part of the work is finding that relationship with God because it talks about in we agnostics that the problem is we have a spiritual malady. And if I don't make that part of my program, you know, I was doing the tools so much. The tools are there for me to work the steps and to get close to my higher power. And it's that deep, effective relationship. And it talks about, you know, um, later in the book or somewhere in the book, it talks about, you know, how we're doing it in our prospective homes. So, yeah, I may look good to you guys, but how am I doing it at my home and in my job? Am I living this? Am I working it? Am I doing the deal in my day-to-day life? And today I am, I am free. You know, I joke that, you know, if I, it's not just about am I going to bed abstinent? Am I going to bed, you know, free in life? And am I not having to make as many amends? Am, am I looking at my stuff? Am I cleaning up my part? Am I being a different person? I'm actually living in the fourth dimension today, which for me is the entire psychic change, the spiritual dimension I never, ever understood. So for any of you who have given up hope, I'm telling you, there is hope. You just have to do the work like it's laid out in the big book, not the little booklet questions, not watering it down. Stick to the book from 1939, and it does the deal. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Kelly. Okay, Diane D., you're up, followed by Julie M. Yes, this is Diane D. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. I'd like to share a spiritual experience that I had yesterday. Um, I lost abstinence. I've only been in OA since December. And I called my sponsor. And because we were doing a telephone conference on the steps, I had stopped doing the steps with my sponsor. I was on step four. I called her that I lost abstinence, and she said I need to do the steps with her. So I said, oh, okay, shall I go back to four? And she said, no, you need to go back to one and find your powerlessness. It so happens that I'm a diabetic. I took off a bandage on my foot that I had surgery on. It was red and swollen and painful. This is not good. I made an appointment with my doctor, and meanwhile, I prayed, God, please heal my foot. Don't let me lose my toe. Please don't let me be hospitalized with IV antibiotics. And in my spirit, I heard God say, you are asking me to take care of your toe because you are powerless. This is how you are powerless in your disease. When I went to the doctor, I found that my symptoms were very normal. And so I learned a big lesson about powerlessness yesterday. Thank you, God, and thank you, Vision, for my being allowed to share. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Diane. Okay, Julie M., you're up. Good morning. This is Julie M. calling from Colorado. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, uh, my name is Julie M. I am recovered compulsive overeater. When I read The Great Fact is Justice and Nothing Less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life. I think about my life and 
how different it is today from how it used to be. And the, the biggest thing for me after I read that was that if I had a problem to solve, if I had something that was, that was really bugging me, I would call 27 people outside of myself and I would write a pros and cons list and I would get everybody else's opinion on what I should do. And I would usually go with either the person that I thought had the best answer or if 10 people told me to do it one way, I'd go with that way. I never listened to my, my intuition. I never listened to myself. I certainly never checked in with any greater power. I assumed all these people knew better than I. And the biggest change in my life overall is that now if I have something, I get quiet. I I give it to God. I also never ask for anything specific. I say things like, show me how to be the best parent I can be to this specific child with this specific issue. What is the next right step? And then I get quiet and I listen and I receive, I receive messages, I receive feelings, I, I feel in my body. And that is the biggest change in my life. It's just this overall thing that is how I deal with problems today. I don't ask a million people. I actually don't ask anybody. And that's a beautiful thing. I can do a tenth step with somebody and feel, get relief and get more clear but I basically don't ask anybody except for God and myself. And that is a huge gift. Um, I'm so grateful to this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, well, we have two minutes left, so I'm going to take those two minutes. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, these two paragraphs are so um, vital to what happened to me between, you know, uh, coming in at 14 and thinking this is the stupidest thing in the world to coming back at 21 and doing everything except what I was told to do and um, always having an excuse, always wanting, um, thinking that people just didn't understand my unique situation. And I really thought I only had a food problem. I didn't know I had a living problem. And, you know, when that changed, it truly is um was a miracle that I was able to uh, surrender to my higher power. And then this has to continue today on a daily basis. This doesn't mean that, you know, for the last 29 years that everything has gone my way because I have put the food down. I've had to surrender every circumstance, every situation you can imagine. Um, And the difference was is that, you know, when I was in disease, I thought that um, I only had a food problem. And I thought that once I was thin, then life would be easy and life would go my way and everyone would um, agree with me. Of course, I didn't think that consciously because it sounds insane. But um, I did not realize that I didn't know how to live life and I didn't know how to accept life on life's terms. And you know, the, as has been said so many times this morning, you know, the miracle is and the reality is, is that life is much better than I thought it would be. I thought I would be miserable without the food. I thought I would miss it. I thought I would be sad and longing for um, that one bite. And, you know, the miracle is today I, I don't care as someone, you know, equated it to sawdust or wood chips or whatever. You know, I have that same feeling. And, um So we have come to the end of our time. Thank you to everyone who shared.
please uh, join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Tuesday, April 11th, 2017, is 9821. That's 9821. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Leslie M. please read A Vision for You? Uh, good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. This is Leslie M., a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clean away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you in 